Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Genesis chapter 1 tells us that God created all things, the heavens, the earth, the universe, man, and all the living creatures, and how even a simple gaze at creation often fills us with awe as we consider his creation. But not until the New Testament book of Ephesians are we told what is at the very top of all that he has done and even all that he is doing, or to use Paul's language in Ephesians, what is his masterpiece. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we would walk in them. We are his masterpiece. We, meaning the church. We will get into God's masterpiece on our program today, and Bob Danker has joined us. Marvelous portion before us, isn't it, Bob? I certainly agree, Chris. Uh, I'm very happy to be with you on this broadcast I feel that this masterpiece, which we are going to consider today, is even more awesome than creation. It's an interesting word uh, that appears in chapter 2, verse 10 of Ephesians, uh, as we're quoting it here today. In the recovery version, masterpiece uh, has been used. I read several other translations, actually. Most commonly, we see uh, workmanship, or some even just say we were made in Christ. But uh, this is a word that in Greek, I believe, and you know Greek better than I, but it's related to our English word for poem or poetry. And actually, masterpiece was the word that Watchman Nee preferred in this uh, translation. Um, there's an implication of artistry here, isn't there, Bob? There is. This word in Greek really means a work of art, such as a poem or a Uh, maybe even a painting, Uh. but here maybe even more a poem that expresses the artistic wisdom and design of the one who creates this masterpiece. Bob, we're not talking about being a masterpiece in terms of how we were created according to our natural life. That's going to be something we touch a lot today. But the context of this verse, I think, will be surprising to many of our listeners because it comes uh, right on the heels of a portion that is well-known but actually is very closely connected to. Let me read the two verses before, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works that no one should boast, for we are his masterpiece. So it's in the context of grace, isn't it? Why is it so important to view God's masterpiece in light of grace? Well, Chris, only grace can produce this masterpiece. Uh, We are in ourselves are not able to do anything that would result in the creation of this masterpiece of God. We must receive from God something which the Bible calls grace. This grace saves us, not in the sense of just saving us from eternal perdition. This grace saves us to such an extent that we become a masterpiece of God's work. Mm. And only grace can do this. Nothing else but grace could make us God's masterpiece. Really something. 
My prayer today, Bob, as we get into this message, is that we would all get our viewpoint uplifted, that we could really see as God sees, even just a little, so that we have an appreciation for what he calls his masterpiece. I really feel, uh, as you, Chris, that this is what we need. We need to see something on such a high plane from God's point of view. Well, our first segment today is really going to be more focused on grace than on masterpiece, but as we just saw, we can't separate these two. We need the one for the other. So let's join Witness Lee. As we do that, I'm going to read a verse he will refer to. It's a well, also a well-known verse. As we really want to see in this short section what grace is, in John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and reality came through Jesus Christ. All right, here's Witness Lee. What do you understand by the term grace? What is grace? God dispensed into us. The very God who has been dispensed into us is the grace. Saved by grace means what? Saved by grace means by God. Dispensed and still dispensing into us. Grace came. Through Jesus Christ. Grace came like a person. And here in Ephesians, from chapter 1, you can see the very saving grace is God himself in Christ wrought into our being. We have stressed emphatically in chapter 1. The basic controlling factor there is the triune God dispensed into our being. It is this triune God that saved us. So we are saved by grace means what? We are saved by the dispensed God. The very God who has been dispensed into us saved us. Let me check with you. We all were in that kind of dead miserable situation. If God had never come into us, how could we be saved? The saving person is the grace. Who is this grace? The process God transmitted into you is the grace. Even for God to get into us is not an easy thing. He needs to get through what? Creation. Incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. Process. Then he is able, he is qualified to transmit himself into us. When he is transmitted into us, he becomes the saving grace. This is the abundant grace. Not only the amazing grace, the abundant grace. This abounding grace, saving grace, is just our God, firstly processed, then transmitted into our being. Bob, a uh, wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace. It's uh, become so popular as to almost uh, have become a cliche, and that's too bad because it is a marvelous hymn, and we appreciate it very much. And surely grace is amazing. There's a common terminology or uh, definition of grace that goes something like God's unmerited favor. 
I think the hymn goes beyond that, but surely what we got here is way beyond. Not that we don't include that, but if that's all we see of grace, we really miss uh, the major portion, don't we? That's right, Chris. We were saved by much more than just undeserved favor from God. We were saved by grace. And this grace cannot be separated from God himself. It cannot be separated from Christ. It came when Christ came. It's like a person. It is a person. Mm. It's Christ himself who is the embodiment of God, who came through incarnation to be a man, who lived on the earth a life full of God's grace, then who died through the grace of God to accomplish our redemption, then who rose from the dead Uh to become a life-giving spirit, then who ascended to the heavens and is seated at the right hand of God in the heavens. Now, this person, when he enters into us and he mingles himself with us, becomes the very grace that saves us. We were saved when we received this person. When he entered into us, we were saved by grace. Saved, not just from hell, but saved to become a new creation, a new invention of God, Mm. a masterpiece of God's work. So this saving grace is just a triune God who passed through a long process to be qualified to dispense himself into us, to be our enjoyment, to be our life, to be our everything. Yeah, this process is an important uh, aspect that we shouldn't overlook. Uh, For him just to uh, bestow his unmerited favor upon us would not require anything other than a decision, it seems. But uh, the process involved all of these stages, as we just heard, really not something easy even for God, was it? It wasn't that easy, Chris. You know, to create the universe, God only spoke. He just spoke some words and things came into being. But to create the church as the body of Christ wasn't so easy. God had himself had to pass through a long process to become a life-giving spirit so that he could enter into our being and be the saving grace within us. And as you just pointed out, with the intent that he could recreate us or create us anew in Christ as his very masterpiece, which is where we're going in this coming section. And just to remind our listeners of this wonderful verse 10 that we started with today, for we are his masterpiece created in Christ. Here's Witness Lee once more. The masterpiece of God. This is a peculiar word. You know, in English, you have the word poem, P-O-E-M, poem. And the Greek word in uh, verse 10 here is just the word for poem. It is all together right to say, for we are his poem. So years and years ago, Brother Nee put out a book. The subject is the masterpiece of God. And he said, the best translation of this word is to translate it into masterpiece. The masterpiece of God. God made many things. Nothing is so precious, so dear so valuable, so desirable as the church. The church is the masterpiece. We all know God created the heavens. Please tell me, are the heavens the masterpiece? Is the earth the masterpiece? 
are men God's masterpiece. No. All these are of old creation. Pieces, pieces, pieces of God's works. But not one is the masterpiece. In the whole universe, there's one piece of God's work. That is the masterpiece. What piece is this? The church. Do you realize that the church is God's masterpiece? You just think over. Could anything be higher, better than this? The church is the body of Christ, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Even we don't have the utterance to describe the new man, corporate and universal. This is really the masterpiece. Why it is the masterpiece? Because this piece, this masterpiece, is the mingling of God with man. God mingles himself with man. This is a new invention. Two kinds of lives blended together. The church is the mingling of God with man. This is the top invention. To uh, make man one with God and to uh, work God into man. This is the masterpiece. Bob, I recall an afternoon as a young man, just about 21 years old, before I was saved, and I happened to have one of those times when I was on a mountain, and I was in Colorado, and it was in May, and uh, and I was in the searching stage of life, and of course, as I gazed upon all that was before me, I had the distinct realization, this is too magnificent, there must be a God behind all of this, and that was a very instrumental moment in leading me to the Lord, and I'm sure many of our listeners have a similar experience in their background But the kind of masterpiece that we're talking about far, far surpasses even that kind of a mountaintop experience, doesn't it? It certainly does, Chris. Uh, This is a masterpiece that is altogether something new. It was not there when God completed the creation in the book of Genesis. He created many marvelous items uh, as part of the universe, and he created man, such a high part of his creation. But even the man that God created is not God's masterpiece. Right. This masterpiece was not produced right away by God. It was produced after some delay, after God became a man, after he passed through the process. Then God produced this masterpiece, which is the church, the body of Christ, the universal and corporate new man. It is a new creation. Even in verse 10 of Ephesians 2, it says, this masterpiece was created in Christ Christ. Jesus. That means it is something newly created. What is this new creation that Paul refers to in other parts of his epistles? This new creation is just, as Witness Lee pointed out, is just the mingling of divinity and humanity. It is just the result of God dispensing himself into his chosen people to mingle himself with them, to blend his divinity with their humanity, to produce something altogether new that was not there in the beginning of creation. This is a new invention, a new creation, which is really the masterpiece of all God's work. So the masterpiece includes certainly what he 
has created, but it also includes what he is being mingled, being blent with this human element of his first creation. That's right, Chris. If there were no first creation with man as the high point of that creation, there could not be a new creation Mm -hmm. because the new creation is the humanity that God created in the first creation that is mingled with God. So when God and man are blended together to be one, this produces the church. This is what the church is. And this gives us a very uplifted view of the church. The church is not just a building on the corner. It's not even just a gathering of Christians. Right. It is actually what makes us the church is the fact that God has dispensed himself into our very being and has mingled himself with us to some extent. Of course, God wants to continue his dispensing and wants to mingle himself with us until we, our entire being is filled, saturated, and permeated with what he is. Then his masterpiece will be finished, will be completed. So his work is still going on. His right. dispensing work, his mingling work is still in progress. And so his masterpiece is still, uh, to this day, a work in progress. That it is, Chris. It's a work in progress. <laughs> and that describes our condition quite That's well, our condition, it? yes. <laughs> you know, uh, it struck me, um, if you take verse 10 of chapter 3 and put it with verse 10 in chapter 2, they, they somewhat go together. Verse 10 in chapter 3 is the one that says that uh, God's multifarious wisdom uh, is made known through the church. This further underscores the work that he's doing to create this masterpiece, doesn't it? Yes, it is a display of his multifarious wisdom. It is a real poem, a real work of art for God to mingle himself with man. Well, the verse concludes, Bob, that we've been reading, verse 10, uh, about being his masterpiece created in Christ. Then it says, for good works, which God prepared beforehand in order that we should walk in them. I think with this uplifted view we're getting of what the masterpiece is, that will also apply when we get a further unveiling of what these good works are, not probably what we assume in our natural thought. How about we go back to Witness Lee? Look at the new Jerusalem. Look. What would you say? You would say, my, my, what a design, what a wisdom, what a beauty. The whole New Jerusalem is a poetry. It's a poem. And that is the masterpiece of God. New heavens will be there. New earth will be there. And the nations will be there. All animals, all plants will be there. Among all these is the New Jerusalem. You look at the New Jerusalem, you have to say, My, this is the best hymn that has ever been written in the whole universe. That is the poetry composed by God. Displaying what? Displaying his wisdom, his design, and his beauty. This is the thought, the concept of Apostle Paul when he wrote chapter 2. And this masterpiece is for God's good works. And these good works prepared by God beforehand. We have to walk in these good works. According to the context of the entire book of Ephesians, we can find out what are these good works. Number one, to do God's will. Number two, to live 
a church life. That is the body life. And number three, to bear the testimony of Jesus. These are the good works. The good works are the will of God, the body life, which is the church life, and the testimony of Jesus. We must walk in these three things. We walk in God's will, we walk in the church life, and we walk in the testimony of Jesus. These are the good works which God prepared, ordained beforehand that we should walk in as the masterpiece of God. Well, I appreciate how he began that segment, really pointing us to the ultimate goal, the real final consummation of this masterpiece, the New Jerusalem. Uh, But then he ends on this practical note, doesn't he, as to the the good works prepared by God uh, for us to walk in, which really gets us on the road to uh, the final destination, doesn't it? Yes, Chris. Uh, Actually, reading about these matter of good works, it's quite interesting that this masterpiece is not just a museum piece, something you put on a pedestal for people to admire. Uh It's something that has a a certain kind of living, a certain kind of walk. And this walk is constituted of good works which God prepared for us to walk in, not good works that we would normally think of, uh, you know, like showing mercy to people or taking care of the disadvantaged, things like this. These may be good works, but anyway, God has a certain particular category of good works that he wants us as the church, the body of Christ, to walk in. Uh And Witness Lee pointed these out to us, right? These works include the doing of God's will. As we are living on this earth as the church, the masterpiece of God, we need to coordinate with God through our living and through our work to carry out the will of God. And, of course, the will of God is just to uh, produce this masterpiece, the church as the organic body of Christ, the new man. This is God's will, is to have such a masterpiece. Right. And we have a part in this. Through our walk, we can work together with God, coordinating with him, to achieve this masterpiece. And then God's will is that we would live the church life, the body life, the life of the body of Christ. And this is a particular kind of life. God wants us to live this kind of life as the organic body of Christ. And this life, of course, is to express Christ, and also it is to build up the body of Christ, to consummate in the new Jerusalem, which Witness Lee mentioned here. And finally, In our walk, we need to be the testimony of Jesus. We need to be the very expression of this God-man, the one who is God mingled with humanity. We need to live a life that testifies this marvelous person, Jesus Christ, who is the God-man. Well, I feel like we've been treated to one of those occasions uh, that is a memorable unveiling of, uh, you know, if you just read this verse, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, some impression. But when you really look at it, according to this vision, this view, the masterpiece of God, his universal poem that he has devoted everything to creating and is still at work on until the day when it um, is fully manifest for eternity, the new Jerusalem. What a view, Bob. Isn't it tremendous? It is absolutely tremendous view. I feel that all of the Lord's children need to see this view. Mm, 
Boy, me too, Bob. And I think that uh, I hope they're enjoying it as much as we are. It's such a treat to get into the Word in this kind of way. Well, our time is up. We have, of course, the printed Life Study Messages. If you'd like to find out about getting the printed volumes that go along with this uh, Life Study program for Ephesians, call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or send email to radio at lsm.org. And we'll be back on Monday, continuing on Chapter 2 in this Life Study of Ephesians. Please join us then. For Bob Danker today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. Believers desire to know the Lord Jesus in a deeper way. In a recently released set of 24 short messages, Watchman Nee guides new believers through some of the most pressing issues that they face, helping them mature in the Lord and be built up with other believers. Some of the topics in the New Believers series include seeking God's will and reading the Bible. The New Believers series by Watchman Nee is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.